2: right now, by and large, this is all what? This is all a monologue. I'm just spewing out information for you. So you to kind of ask the Lord to put it down in your heart and stick it, whatever. But in a small group, what is it? It's dialogue. And so as that happened, these guys understood what was taking place. Now, Jesus knew this principle. I know this principle. And the early church knows this principle. Write it down. Life change happens best in small groups.
0: Much has been said over the years about the nobility of the solitary person. Particularly in America, the person who goes against the flow, who stands up to the crowd is lauded and praised. At the same time, mental health professionals warn against isolation, showing that it can lead to depression and other maladies. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that the reason for this contradiction, the praising of isolationism while acknowledging the problems with isolating oneself, can be found in the bible you'll hear about the problem as well as the solution to the problem remember there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of pastor mark's teaching we'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast now here's pastor mark in john chapter 13 as he continues his message spiritual fruit connected disciples
2: If you're here and the only time you look at the Bible is today and you don't look at it for another week, you're never going to be a disciple. You're never going to show fruit in your life. What you are basically is a baby Christian and that's what you'll remain your whole life. Miserable, don't understand God, how come it's so hard? It's because you've never stepped up to get into the word of God. That's why I teach the word of God. Number three, be connected to a local church. We learn from Ephesians chapter 4. See, God didn't design the church as an option. He designed the church as part of the way that you grow. And we hear lots of people today say something like this, I can be a very healthy Christian and not go to church. I believe that's 1,000% wrong. Personally, if you have an option, I don't even believe you can be a Christian. You go to 1 John chapter 5, Jesus says, if you say you love me and you don't love the brethren, you don't want to hang with the brethren, then you don't love me. So be careful. And then here's the last one I want you to write today. Be connected or sticky. In other words, be not I alone, but be I connected with other Christ followers. In other words, if you're going to prove yourself to be a disciple, you got to do what Jesus says shows that you're a disciple. Now, I've asked you to turn to John 13, 35. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. You have your own translations. But notice what this says. Jesus speaking. Your love for one another, your love for one another, say that word, one another, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You can reverse that. If you call yourself a disciple, you will love other Christ followers. You say, Pastor Mark, I get that. So here's the proof I want you to write. Here we go, proof. A disciple, this is Jesus' definition at Calvary Chapel, a disciple loves other Christ followers, one another. We don't do life I alone. We do it I connected with other people. Now, back in the 70s, Those of you that are around in the 70s, here's kind of what we heard. Love, 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 love. Everybody loves, don't take a bath, just love me. (laughs) Love, love. How many remember that? Come on now, you remember all those songs. Well, love does have an emotional part. There's no question about that. But I want you to write the next statement because most people don't understand that. Notice, love is a verb. Love, love, love. I love you, Mike. I love the church. No, love is a verb. What does that mean? Actions, attitudes, and words that are followed up with something. Some of you say to your wife, I love you. And what she wants to say to you then, prove it. Give me a bouquet for crying out loud. <laughs> Remember what Jesus said one day? If you love me, keep. My commandments. That's not an emotion. That's an action. So, Pastor Mark, are you saying that I'm going to have to love people? I'm going to have to be around them? I'm going to have to interact with them? Hello. That's exactly what I'm saying. To show you how that's worked, we've tried to display it in a kind of a funky way that we're changing to be like God. Everything in our life starts with God. You can't do life unless you're connected to God. And if I'm connected to God, the only way I learn about God is His Word. That's why we teach you the Bible. So I have to be into the Word, and the Word has to be in me. And then where we learn it initially is in the church. Here's what you're doing. I have lots of people that email me, and they say this to all of our pastors. I've learned more in the last two months at this church than I did 40 years where I was before. Now, why is that? because we're teaching the Word of God. And this is a new one for today. If you're going to call yourself a disciple, then you're going to have to love one another. You're going to have to prove it by action. You're going to have to prove it by hanging with one another. Now, Jesus understood that when he began his ministry. In the beginning, let us. Jesus was with God from the beginning. But when he came to earth, he was still connected to his father, but he decided to do a role model for us. When Jesus came to this earth, he was connected to God. He didn't do life alone. What did the first thing Jesus do when he got here, when he started this ministry? What's the first thing he did? He picked how many? 12 what? 12 what? Disciples. He picked them to do what? To do the next three and a half years together. See, he was saying to you and me, you can't do your spiritual life alone. Well, I have God. I have God too. But you need others. And that was always the role model as we begin. So when Jesus did that, it was called I Connected. A group of people who would share these common interests and relate to one another. And actually, they would do life together. What Jesus was saying is this. I want to show you how to be productive. I want to show you how to be fruitful. So you're going to have to hang with me. Now, look at this verse, and I think you'll see a principle. Here's what Jesus was saying to the disciples. They didn't get it early on, but later they did. Notice. Matthew 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, "S. He didn't just hang with one. He happened to pick 12. And what was he saying with them? You got to hang with me. What was he saying? Spiritual growth doesn't happen I alone. Now, you remember the disciples. If you've been in church, you studied the disciples. Were the disciples an interesting group of 12 guys? They were all different. One day, Jesus said to them, he was teaching them, and he said to them, I'm going to the cross. And he turned around, and he heard some conversation between two or three of the disciples back there. And he turned to them, and he said, what are you talking about? Oh, nothing. What are you talking about? And eventually, he discovered, what were they talking about? I first. He's going to the cross, and they're arguing who's going to be first in the kingdom of God you think he addressed it? (laughs) Sure he did. See, that's where the loving confrontation took place. You can't do life alone. Spiritual growth doesn't really happen alone. Now, I want to show you a couple pictures, and it's, it's really true. Here's picture number one. These are pictures from our Israel trip. And as you can see, there's about 48 of us or so. And then there's the picture of The Temple Mount in the back, by the way, that's where everything's going to happen in the end times right there. Here's the next picture. I was teaching out of Matthew chapter 24 to the people. And you can see the Temple Mount in the background again and whatever. Now, look at all those people there. Now, those were about 48 people. They were from all of our campuses. By and large, they didn't know anybody. They didn't know the other people. They knew me because they see me, but that was about it. So what always happens, I've been doing, Lynn and I have been doing this for 20 years. Here's what happens on the trip, first day. They get in the bus, and they're seeing all the new sights, and it's fantastic. And there's people in front of them, behind them, and there's people across from them. There's not much talking going on. They don't know each other. It's a little strange. And the day goes on, and they're seeing neat sights, and whatever, they come that night, and they go over there, and they sit down, they kind of sit at a table like this, and they just pretty much eat. You know. By about day three, what's happening? I get on the bus, and the guide's talking, and I have to do this. Will you shut up back there? Because what have they started doing? Getting to know each other. First name basis. Before you know it, as you go, here they are, hanging out together, eating together, talking forever. They never even knew each other. And by about day five or six, here's what always happens. They're sharing medicine with one another. What do you have? I got a narcotic here. I got a headache. I'll take that. That's good. They're washing each other's undies. They're doing all kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> I forgot a sweater. Do you have a sweater? Yeah, here's a sweater. Well, it looks good on me. I'll keep it. Here, have it. <laughs> now, I'm not joking. And at the end, what are they? They're family. In fact, when we get back, we just had one last Sunday night. A group of us got together. And we're sa- Some of the people from trips years ago are still hanging together. How did that happen? They got real. They got put together. We're on a bus together to heaven. You need to get to know who's traveling with you. Now, can you imagine me going to Israel by myself and the guide? What a great time! But that's how many of you are doing your spiritual journey. You're not connected with anybody. And you wonder why it's a miserable trip. And I know there's lots of reasons. Sometimes we just don't get into these groups because, well, we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being manipulated. We're afraid of being hurt. We're afraid of being used. But I'm going to say to you, we have a world outside of here that is characterized by individualism and isolation. Most people think they can do life spiritually without anybody else. But that's definitely not true. And you take all the excitement and joy out of it, and you really can't do it successfully. You cannot do the Christian life successfully, I alone, impossible. And yet you try because the world says, don't you open yourself up. Don't you get real. You just go on and hang on by yourself. That is not what the Bible says. I want you to turn to the scripture, and I want to prove it to you from Romans chapter 14. When you go there, I think it'll be very clear to you what Paul is saying to us. You see, we don't live in isolation. You might say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm here. That's fine. But here, you walk in and you walk out. That's not what I'm talking about. Romans 14, verse 7. Look at what it says. For none of us lives to himself alone. None of us dies to himself alone. What is Paul saying? Why did he mention that? He's trying to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, we don't live in isolation. You do influence others, and other people influence you. You were designed to do life together. You can't do it alone. You have to be eye connected So I want you to write this down. God intends for us, every single one of us, to experience, that's the word, To experience life together, I connected, not I alone. Look at Proverbs 13. He who walks with the wise grows wise. I'm designed to walk with people. I'm designed to interact with people. Now, you have to ask a question. When the disciples did three years with Jesus, did they learn this principle of being connected in a small group? Yes, they did. And I'm going to show it to you and prove it to you, and I want you to understand what I'm going to say to you. In a moment, I'm going to use the word together, and every time I stop, then you just shout out together. By the way, number one, together and I alone don't work. You can't say in this chair, together. It doesn't work. It doesn't even make any sense. So how did the early church function? Now, remember what happened in the early church. As they got going, there was 120 in the upper room. And pretty soon, there was thousands from all different nations. They didn't know each other. What will we learn? Let me read it to you. You don't need to turn there. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, 120 of them, they were all... Come on now, I told you what to do. They were all together in one place. So they're a small group, 120 Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together. in the temple courts. So this group of thousands began to meet in a kind of like a church setting. They didn't have any buildings, so the, the thousands of people met together. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together. together with glad and sincere hearts. Look at verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together. In prayer to God. Now, turn to Acts chapter 5. You see, the disciples did learn that you can't do life alone. You can't do I alone and do life. They had to get connected with people they didn't even know. But God began to make them a family. Now, notice the early church, you're going to see in verse 42, Acts 5, 42, the early church practiced being connected, I connected, and they practiced loving one another. It wasn't an emotion. It was an action. Look at verse 42. Day after day, in the temple courts, in a big setting like we're doing right now, and from where? House to house. Small. Small settings. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So... How did the disciples learn to do that, to break them up from large settings to small settings? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus would teach to the 5,000. That evening, he'd get his 12 aside, and he'd say to them, "Um, what'd you learn today? What'd you hear in my teaching? Explain it to me. And that's where they were discipled. And that's where they would say to Jesus in a private setting, we didn't understand at all what you just said out there. Explain to me. And that's where they learned it. So verse 42 is a picture of this, the church in big settings, just like we're doing right now, and then small settings. That would give people in a small setting, see, right now, by and large, this is all what? This is all a monologue. I'm just spewing out information for you. So you to kind of ask the Lord to put it down in your heart and stick it, whatever. But in a small group, what is it? It's dialogue. And so, as that happened, these guys understood what was taking place. Now, Jesus knew this principle, I know this principle, and the early church knows this principle. Write it down. Life change happens best in small groups. Understand spiritual change definitely happens in my personal Bible study. There is a time in your life to get I alone. That's your quiet time in the morning. My wife isn't with me in my quiet time. My new puppy isn't with me, if I can help it, in my quiet time. Because if she's there, there ain't no quiet time. So I close the door. This is where I get eye-alone with God. Amen? He speaks to me, and I speak back to him. There is a time. We are here. We're growing together in this big setting. But by and large... Most spiritual change happens in a small group. Now, that can be a million different looks, and I'll explain more of that to you later. Let me read this from Chuck Swindoll. Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, super-capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life's lonely enough, without playing that silly role. You see, as I'm talking, some of you have a million excuses right in front of you. I'm not opening up. I'm not getting a smoke. He can talk all he wants. I don't care what Jesus said. Forget it. I've been hurt. I'm not going to get rid of anybody. I don't need it. Forget it. But you are wrong. Pastor Mark, that's my personality. You are wrong. I want you to write these down, even if that's you, and you're looking at me with an evil eye. It's okay. I understand it. Here's what you want to write down. Every person... See, God made us this way. Every person wants to belong, to be needed, to be known, and to be loved. There's no exceptions. There's absolutely no exceptions. Now, the only time that can be exception, if you're in really clinical depression... And a lot of that happened. You know why? Because spiritually, you found your way lost. And of course, we can help you with drugs and all kinds of things. God can deliver you that. But a person that's thinking normally is not a person that isolates himself, ever. Nothing good happens when you isolate yourself. Nothing good happens. When you isolate yourself, think about this. When the disciples left Jesus that night that he was going to be betrayed... Peter went and he denied the Lord three times. Where was Peter when he did that? He was all alone. He separated himself. When David was in the kingdom and he went out to take a look one night and he saw Bathsheba bathing, and the next thing we know, he commits adultery. Where was he that night? All alone. Where was Eve? Alone. Alone is not the way you're built to be. Now, I'm going to give you a story today. I can't tell you the details. I can't tell you the city. But I can say this. In the last two years, Linda and I experienced this personally on the other part of the world. Here's the story. And then I'm going to apply it to us here. You're a Christ follower. You belong to a great church with about 500 people. You're in a country that's not Christ-friendly. Your pastor teaches the word, and the church is just exploding. Then one day, everything changes. You hear something that seems to be absolutely unbelievable. Your pastor is in jail for no reason. You walk by the church that you've been attending, and there's yellow tape around the whole church building. It has been totally shut down permanently. Now you have no church. You have no pastor. You have no one to teach you how to grow spiritually. And I'm going to add this because it was in essence true there. There's no other churches you could go to. There's no Christian media you can access. You can't have internet, hear other pastors, MP3. You have none of that. All you have is your Bible. Now, I know some of you are already saying, Pastor Murray, nice story. It would never happen in America. You know, I just read this morning that Boeing successfully tested a new missile that destroyed, when they sent it into the air, you destroyed every piece of electronics. Gone. All I got, my MP3, gone. Got my, gone. Couldn't happen?
0: (laughs) That's all we have time for today on Lessons for Living. This time in our nation's history is unlike anything that we've ever experienced. It can be confusing and stressful, and we know you may be feeling alone. We're so glad you joined Pastor Mark today to study God's Word. We pray you found comfort in what you've heard. Maybe today you're hearing about Jesus for the very first time. If so, we want to tell you more. Please take a few minutes and visit calvaryccm.com. There you'll find a tab simply labeled Jesus. This page will tell you all about the Savior of the world and how you can be forgiven of all your sins right now. You can have a relationship with Jesus today, no matter what your past looks like. We pray today you choose to take this step of faith. If you'd like to talk to someone about this or if you'd like someone to pray with you, please give us a call. Our phone number is 866-779-3441. Again, that's 866-779-3441. We also want to invite you to join us for our virtual church service this weekend. Join Pastor Mark on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. Or you can search for Calvary Chapel Melbourne on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Mark's messages now, those can be found on our website too. One more time, that's calvaryccm.com. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on Lessons for Living.
1: In a